A harrowing scene. India's Ganges River flooded, not with water, but with bodies. Many bodies, beyond counting, swollen and disfigured, found floating along the sacred river. A reminder for us, COVID isn't over yet. figure in the hundreds. The outbreak started in New Delhi and quickly spread to India's rural areas upstream. What happened next was shocking. Bodies floating down river, many thinking COVID caused the death. Cremation, the usual practice in India, costs five to ten times more right now due to the high demand. The river was easier, but the image is something you'll never shake. The sacred river, flooded with the unclean bodies ravaged by a virus. Haman was unclean. He was ravaged by leprosy. The Lord told him to bathe in an unclean river. He did that, and he was healed. God made all things new. We pray he brings healing to India in the name of Jesus. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing with you the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're starting a series called The Church in Early Days. For the last 2,000 years, Christians have sung praises to the Lord. All last week, we were listening to songs that the early church sang. But what else did the early church do? They not only sang, but they prayed together, and they read and shared God's Word together. And as you read through the book of Acts, a historical book inspired by the Holy Spirit, you'll see how this young church fellowshiped together. So that's what we're going to do this week hang out with the early church and see what we can learn from them that we can do today. And on this program, we'll be looking at the great story of Pentecost that's found in Acts chapter 2. It's exciting, so I invite you to be excited with me. Stay with me. And then after the program, I'd like to send you a copy of the Ode CD. called My Joy in the Lord, Ode 7. And you can hear 14 of the songs we've selected for you on this special CD that you can only get here at Haven today when you make a gift to this listener-supportive ministry. This music will touch your heart in a special way. Why don't you call us after the program at 800-654-2836. That's 800-654-2836. Or better yet, Please go to our website, and there you can listen to samples of all the odes on this special CD. You can also watch the video we posted and read more about how these odes were discovered. Our web address is haventoday.org, haventoday.org. We open the program now with Hillsong Worship. Our Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior, I believe in God our Father, I believe 
across the sun. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Our judge and our defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you Descended into darkness You rose in glorious light Forever seated high I believe in God our Father I believe in Christ the Son I believe in the Holy Spirit God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in you. Three. 
There are many versions of this powerful modern worship song with ancient lyrics going back to the early days of the church. We chose this one because you can hear the message so clearly. That's this, I believe, the creed from Hillsong Worship. And you're listening to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris and a program called The Early Days of the Church. The more I read my Bible, especially as I read the book of Acts, the more I see that what Jesus came to do wasn't done until he ascended to heaven. He told his disciples in John 16 that it was better for him to leave because then the Holy Spirit could come. And today we're talking about the great day of Pentecost. But before we look at Pentecost itself, we need to step into the shoes of Jesus' disciples in that day. The leaving of Jesus didn't seem like a good thing to them at the time. He was their leader. He was the one who could go toe-to-toe with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. He was the one who could heal the sick and cure lepers. He was the one they could depend on to speak the word of the Lord. He was the Lord. If he were gone, how could they be able to accomplish what he told them at the end of Matthew 28? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. The resurrected Jesus sent his followers out into the world as his witnesses. That's what Acts 1.8 tells us. They had seen Jesus raised from the dead, and they were supposed to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the world, and announce to everyone that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's what Pentecost is all about. Jesus was gone. He was ascended into heaven. And the disciples were gathered together. They'd been told to wait until they received power, the power of the Spirit. So when that day of Pentecost finally came around, The Spirit came. The room filled with a rushing sound. It looked like tongues of fire resting on each one there. The Spirit had fallen, and the disciples began to preach. And that was not the most shocking thing. They were preaching in different tongues, languages. There were people from all over the world in Jerusalem at the time. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia— Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, they all heard these disciples preaching in their own language, so shocking that people there that day thought they were drunk. They were from Galilee, not known for its languages, but they were proclaiming the gospel, and it opened the door for Peter to preach the very first Christian sermon. Listen to what he said. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he quotes from the Old Testament prophet, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Now listen carefully 
to verse 21. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter opened his sermon with scripture. And that's where any good sermon needs to start, right? Unless we have the word, we aren't hearing from the Lord. Peter understood what was happening. The Spirit had fallen upon him, caused him to proclaim the gospel. And the Spirit also brought to mind a scripture to him from the book of Joel. Joel 2, 28 through 32, what I just read. Maybe when you heard it, you thought what I thought. How is it that a group of disciples proclaiming the gospel is a fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy? Joel is talking about dreams, visions, a moon turned to blood, smoke, fire, signs, and wonders. Where was that in Acts 2? But I don't think Joel was envisioning signs and wonders in the same way you and I might be thinking. Joel was talking about the gospel going forth to all kinds of people, young and old, sons, daughters, high rank, blue collar workers. It didn't matter if someone were Jewish or not, because as Joel says, at the end of the prophecy, all who call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. The Spirit would be given in abundance to all God's people to such a degree that it will be as if all of God's people are prophets. Prophets were the ones who proclaimed the Lord's good news to the people in the Hebrew Bible. They announced what the Lord had done, what the Lord was doing, and what the Lord was going to do. Joel envisioned a day when all of God's people would proclaim his good news to the world. And that's exactly what started at Pentecost. They received the Spirit, and they announced the gospel to those around them. And that's what we're called to do. Don't you agree? The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 1 that from the very first moment that you believed, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. If you have faith, then you have the Spirit of the living God. And that means that the Lord is at work in you in the same way that Joel envisioned, to make you into a person that proclaims the gospel to the world. That doesn't mean that every Christian needs to be a preacher, as we might define a preacher today, but it does mean that every Christian is called to interact with their neighbors, to have conversations with them, to make friends with them for the purpose of the kingdom. We're called to be light and salt in the earth, just like the church in those early days. And we are to call upon the name of the Lord just like those early days. We call upon the name of the Lord by placing our faith in the Lord Jesus. Peter says that the name by which we are to be saved is Jesus. And this is how we call upon his name, faith. But we can also call upon his name by singing. Several years ago, I sat down with the late Dr. Hughes Oliphant Old in his office at his home outside Princeton, and I asked him to tell me about the odes that the early church sang and what they were like. In the first place, it has a very consistent Christian witness, and it is unique. It shows a kind of joy, a kind of refreshing emphasis on love uh, that some of the earliest uh, Christian literature doesn't show. Uh, as I mentioned, the the, uh, the didache can get awfully legalistic about what the churches should do and what they shouldn't do. But the Odes of Solomon show this, and 
Not only that, the Odes of Solomon show a tremendous sense of worship. One realizes that here is a worshiping congregation. And people have a tremendous sense that, uh, interestingly enough, that uh, worship is spirit-filled. And these odes are so lyrical that uh, one gets the sense that uh, uh, something beautiful is happening here. And it has a literary integrity, I think, that's very important. Uh, You might almost say that the odes cast a spell. It isn't enough just to read one or two. You have to read through the whole thing, as you do with any poet. This this is Christian poetry. Uh, It has its own imagery. The odes are very, uh, very unusual in the different imagery that they come up with. But they, that imagery is used again and again. One place where the odes seem to have mined this imagery is the Book of Psalms. And Rendell Harris, the great scholar who really brought the odes to the attention of the modern world, refers to these odes as psalm pendants. It's as though the, the, the congregation might have sung a particular psalm and then the odes would have been sung as a response to it. And so many of the odes, when one reads through them, one realizes that the imagery of Psalm 45 is being used or Psalm 63 is being used. And that's one of the beautiful things about these uh, odes is that they are so close to Scripture. I'll never forget that day with the late Hughes Oliphant Old talking about how the odes of the early church is that they were so close to Scripture. The church in those early days called upon the name of the Lord just like we are called to do. But Peter's sermon also mentioned blood, moons, and fire. That's because not everyone would accept the gospel. Some would reject the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection for us. Blood moons and fire are about the apocalypse. They're about judgment. Those who reject the truth, as John says, stand condemned. It's as if the moon is turned to blood for them because they are living under the shadow of death. And that's all of us if we're not under the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We call upon his name and we can do that because he endured the judgment for us. He suffered under the dark shadow of wrath in our place. And that's why we call on him by faith. And that's why we sing to the praise of Jesus. Grace pouring forth like a fountain flowing. Our hearts open wide to sing your praise. And our sound becomes sweet with your anthem ringing praise to the name of the Lord sing hallelujah sing hallelujah we rejoice in your love most high sing hallelujah sing hallelujah 
light you shine forever, shine in us, O oh Lord, forever. We're the light. in the middle. Let us who are afraid find refuge in Christ and redemption assured in his name, and forever your word will remain. That's Sing Hallelujah, sung by Fernando Ortega, based on Ode 40, with music written by John Schreiner. Such a moving song to finish this haven today, called The Church in Early Days. I'm Charles Morris. I'm thankful that the Lord gave us an inspired history book about the early church. I encourage you to come back tomorrow. We'll be looking at how the church fellowship together in Acts chapter 2. And I'd like to send you a copy of the Ode CD that we've put together for your own private worship. 
It features 14 hymns, including the one that we just heard. And all of these songs would have been sung by the first Christians, early Christians, as they worshiped the Lord Jesus Christ in the first century. Wouldn't it be great if we could have worshiped with them? Well, thankfully, we can by getting a copy of the Odes Project from us. This ancient music is quite unique. I think it'll touch your heart in a special way. So I would just ask you to pray about your generosity. We're 100% supported by friends like you. But when you call and make your gift, be sure and ask for the Odes Project. And it's our gift to you saying thank you. And our number you can call right now is 800 654 2836. 800 654 2836. Or visit us on our website, haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And make sure you read the special blog post that covers the history of the Odes with insightful videos and audio. I think it'll help you and grow your faith. And just before we go, I'd like to invite you maybe to become a Haven partner. This is someone who agrees to pray regularly and give automatically monthly to this Christ-centered ministry. You can ask about that when you call us. You can read about it when you visit our website. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? And again, we'll be sharing together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus. I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. The tallest building in the world is the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, standing at 2,717 feet. But before this magnificent building could be built up, excavation had to take place. Layers of earth and debris had to be torn away, and new foundations had to be laid. Whether an architect or not, every Christian understands something about this process. The preacher in Ecclesiastes says that there is a time to tear down and a time to build up. All our hopes are on one foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ. By his death, he tears away our sinful hearts and starts a new project. Today, rest in Christ. Watch him build you up into something magnificent. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.